The climb up to the cave entrance was more difficult than Matt had anticipated. It was only about thirty feet, and he'd done much more complicated no-rig ascents many times in the past, but the exposed rock and the muddy, greasy soil around the cave made it slippery. Thomas was right behind him, yelling instructions, with Sarah just starting the climb, and Charles stepping from foot to foot on the path, impatient to begin. Matt levered himself into the triangular opening, and kneeled at the edge to look down at the path and beyond. His view was obscured by a grainy haze of the cloud that formed a thick curtain just past the slip path's drop-off point, which also reduced any vertigo he might have experienced. He drew in a long breath, and immediately noticed the acrid smell— a shitty, rank animal odor emanating from the interior of the cave. Beneath it was something raw and decaying, like old mushrooms or bad hamburger. The smell wafted towards him on a draft of warm air that heated the cold skin on his face and made his nose and cheeks tingle. He squinted into the dark hole and got to his feet, taking comfort from the fact that the breeze was blowing outwards— If there was anything inhabiting the cave, his own scent wouldn't be carried inwards. Important if it's a predator, he thought. He took a few steps into the interior and halted at the remains of the first wall. There were fresh cracks in the rock ceiling, and the stones on the floor were mixed with debris from the cave roof, all proof of their theory that an earthquake had caused the wall to crumble. He had left his pack down on the slip path, but fumbled in his pocket for the small plastic flashlight he'd taken from it, even though it was more suited to reading a book in a sleeping bag than exploring Stygian darkness. Phew, something's dead in there. Matt jumped at the voice behind him. Thomas walked past and began to examine the fallen rocks of the first barrier. Sarah appeared in another few minutes, holding the top edge of the small pink boot in her teeth. Charles came immediately after her, his impatient expression suggesting he'd been held up by everyone's slow ascent. Thomas tapped one of the broken stones with the toe of his boot. You know, I've never been beyond this point, and I bet no other human has for a hundred generations. He took a large theatrical step over the tumbled stones. Twilight had descended on the mountain peak, reducing the light at the mouth of the cave to little more than a gray glow. Thomas tried to direct Matt's hand, holding the flashlight, to where he wanted, but soon gave up and used his cigarette lighter instead. A barely perceptible warm breeze caused the tiny orange flame to bend towards the cave opening, now twenty feet behind them. Thomas lifted his lighter to the closest wall. This what you're looking for, Mr. Kearns? The wall was covered in paintings and carvings. Matt's face broke into a smile as he moved quickly to where Thomas stood and traced the images with his hand while not actually touching the artwork. This is amazing, he said. The figures are definitely Paleo-Indian, but some of the characters are much older, more like Mesoamerican. Strange, though. It's like they're not reproduced correctly. 
His fingers traced more of the designs. As if someone was drawing them from memory without really knowing what they meant. Thomas crowded in closer with his lighter. I've never seen many of these symbols, and I've never heard of any of my people or ancestors using them. They've been hidden behind this barrier for many, many centuries. Matt frowned, his lips moving as he vocalized the symbols and images, teasing out their meaning. After a while, he nodded. Okay. It's like a story, or maybe some kind of record. There's mention of Tuanta and the battle with the Great Ones. He traced some more symbols and frowned again, looking confused or like he'd lost his place.